It's kind of been like a big blur, all of it kind of all together. But as we look to 2019, do any of y'all make kind of like New Year's resolutions? Some, any of y'all do that besides us? Sometimes we kind of make some things. How many of y'all make a decision you're going to eat better and get more exercise? How many of y'all have ever made that decision in your life, and how many blow it within 24 hours? You know, we all kind of struggle with that, but uh, we want to be fit in our life, and sometimes we pay attention how we can be fit for this earth, but here's what we're going to deal with. Here's the title, The Table Fit for Heaven. How many tables do you think you... Scoot it up to to eat on. How many different booths and restaurants? How many different chairs have you sat in and you scooted up to a, a table to eat a meal? The table fit for heaven. There's a lot of people that think they are fit for heaven and they think they're fit for heaven when I get to heaven. I, I have been good enough to get to heaven, so I'm fit for heaven. So First Baptist family, is anybody good enough to be fit for heaven? We all learned in our faith training and evangelism training. I mean, how many sins will God allow in the heaven? None. So how can we as sinful people, how can we get to a place where the holiness of God is. I've got some great news for you. The Lamb of God takes the sins of the world. How can we be fit for heaven one day? We'll never be fit for heaven because we're religious enough. We'll never be fit for heaven because we've been good enough. We'll never be fit enough if we think, if I just give enough, we can't be fit for heaven. If we buy enough, we can't be fit for heaven, except only one way that we can be fit for heaven is the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the what? The table. In a few minutes, we're going to come to this table, and we're going to take that little cracker and we're going to remember that the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. We're going to take that cracker and we're going to remember the body of Christ. We're going to take the little grape juice and we're going to remember that by His blood, by His stripes, we are healed. But who really pronounces that? Look at it in John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 29, this is John the Apostle writing this. We know that John wrote John 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We know he wrote the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos as God gave him that vision. When you think about John, when, here's what I want you to When you think about John, the follower of Christ, I want you to always think the closeness with Jesus. If you ever wanted to hear a eyewitness story of somebody that was close to Jesus. I mean, always think about John. We think of the inner circle that Jesus had. It was Peter, James, and what? 
John. We know that John is called the beloved. We know that John, as Jesus is on the cross, we know that John is given the responsibility to taking to be to take care of Mary. So, I mean, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, John was the one that was going to take care of Mary. So, if there's anybody that really knew Jesus in such a personal, intimate way, it's John. We even know that John was, in one scripture, that John is on the the chest of Jesus. I mean, how much closer could you get than hearing the heartbeat of Jesus? That's John. So, that's where this the writer of this, close to Jesus. Then he's going to talk about, in this scripture in verse 29, he's going to talk about another John called John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the forerunner. When I, when I picture John the Baptist, do you just picture a, just a manly top guy, just, I mean, hairy guy with a big beard and I mean, honey running off of his beard dripping. I mean, do you just kind of picture that kind of, I mean, clothes are kind of torn a little bit. I mean, just if you walked in, you oh, that's John the Baptist. Is that how y'all picture John the Baptist? That's how I've always pictured John the Baptist. What do we know about John the Baptist? What does the Scripture tell us? The Scripture says about John the Baptist, he is the greatest Man ever born of what? Woman. It tells us about John the Baptist. We learned that. What else do we know about John the Baptist? Probably a statement that John the Baptist says that I want us to take near today. Statement. What does John say? Lord, may I decrease and who and you increase. That's John the Baptist. Look at what John the Baptist is going to reveal to us in John chapter 1, verse 29. This is an incredible moment. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Could you imagine Jesus coming towards you? Could you imagine Jesus coming towards you and you are about to be the announcer? I mean, it's bowl season, and y'all are watching football games, and some of you are tired because you stayed up late last night. But those announcers, as you know, as they announce the teams, and they do all the smoke, and they do all the stuff, and everybody's cheering. This, this, is, the, this is the announcement moment that John the Baptist is about to say. What is he going to say? The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. Why the Lamb of God? In order to understand the Lamb of God, we got to understand the Old Testament. In order to understand the Lamb of God, we got to understand the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, when he said in the book of Exodus, as Moses goes to Pharaoh and said, Hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. And what does Pharaoh say? No, I won't let my people go. And we know as it gets to the tenth and the final plague, with the death angel, the firstborn child is going to die, the firstborn is going to, the death angel is going to remove them from planet earth. We know that the Lamb of God, if it's placed upon the doorpost, when the death angel comes, it will pass over. 
I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful. I am fit for heaven, and I am so grateful that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is clothed me, and I'm so grateful that the death angel passes over me, not because I've earned it, not because I've been good, not because of anything I've done. I'm so grateful that the death angel passes over me because I am covered in the Lamb of God. Isn't that good? Are you covered in the Lamb of God? Look what this text goes on to say. Look at verse 30. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. That's important as John is saying, he is before me. That's saying that Jesus has always been. Don't ever believe that God created Jesus. God did not create Jesus. Jesus is God and Jesus has always been. Remember, Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem. Jesus didn't have a beginning because he's God. It's hard to wrap our mind around that, isn't it? That's what this text of Scripture says in verse 31. Look at verse 32, or verse 31. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed in Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I've got some great news for you. We can be fit for heaven because of the Lamb of God. So here's the goal. Will you write this down? Every week I try to have one target, one goal. Write this down. Here's my target today. Here's our goal. The one who knows you has provided a lamb whose blood can fit you for heaven. The one who knows you. So let me ask, does he know you? Does God Almighty, the Lamb of God, does he know you? How much does he know about you? Everything about you. And that God who knows you and is the Lamb of God, he knows you. And the Lamb of God removes your sins so you will be fit for heaven. So what are we going to do today? We're going to come to this most sacred table. There's not a more sacred table than coming to the Lord's table. The Lamb of God. So let's look at it. Look at Matthew chapter 26 with me. Matthew chapter 26, we're going to begin in verse 17. This is the first Lord's Supper. This is the first Lord's Supper. This is the scripture that's telling us, out with the old, in with the new. This is a profound scripture in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 17. And here's what I I want you to see it. On this side, on this side, I want you to look at the Passover was looking forward to Jesus Christ, death. 
the Passover, when they celebrated the Passover and they would sacrifice the lamb as they would do that, it was looking forward to Jesus. That's why once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go on the Holies of Holies, and on the Day of Atonement, he would make atonement for the sins of the people. But what did the Day of Atonement do? It would just cover their sins for another year. It would keep pushing their sins another year. It would push their sins another year. It would push their sins another year. One Passover after another Passover after another Passover, as they would remember the the sacrificial lamb to cover the sins of the death angel would go, it just kept pushing it until all of that came to Jesus. So the Passover is the perspective of looking towards the cross. On this side... I want you to picture the Lord's Supper is not looking towards it. The Lord's Supper is looking back on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the Passover in the Old Testament, they are looking forward to Jesus. The sins just keep getting pushed forward. They just keep moving to Jesus. They're celebrating that. You and I are celebrating, and aren't we grateful that we are celebrating that Jesus Christ took our sins and he conquered sin and death. That's good news, isn't it? So that's what we are celebrating with the Lord's Supper. So it's out with the old and in with the new. So let's see how this happens in a great moment. When you get in this scripture, these are the last moments of Jesus. These are the last moments before he goes to the cross. When you look at this text of scriptures, there's no more teaching after this. There's really no more public appearances after this. Everything in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, everything in the life of Jesus is focused on the cross at this moment. Verse 17, now on the first day of the feast in the unleavened bread, right in there, and it's all right to write in there, I put, this is dealing with the past, the old. And also, it's the feast in the unleavened bread. Does anybody know how many days was the feast of the unleavened bread? Some people want to interchange it and say it's the same as the Passover. It's not the same as the Passover. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Does anybody know how many days was that process, that feast? Seven days. Seven days was the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Remember, they would move all of the yeast, all the leaven out of the house. They would clean the house. And for seven days was the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And here's a reason why. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread was to go back and to remember that God brought them out of captivity in Egypt and remember, as they would remove all the leaven, to remember that they are supposed to be removed from the evil of this world. So for seven days, all the leaven out is to go back and to remember that God brought them out of captivity in Egypt and they are to live a separate life. That's the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. But there's two celebrations that's taking place in verse number 17. Let's look at it. Now the Feast... Now, on the first day, the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? The Passover was not a seven-day event. The Passover was one day. The Passover was one meal. The Passover was a one day, one meal, and was going back and remembering that the death angel passed over. So let's remember this. Let's review really quickly so you got to listen really fast. 
Remember, as we studied the book of Genesis this year about the life of Joseph, we know Joseph's brothers sold him after they sold him. We know that he went to Egypt. When he was in Egypt, he found favor with God. He went through all kinds of stuff, but God was always with him. We know that he became the second in charge of all of Egypt. We know a great famine in the land happened. So we know that Joseph's family left Israel, they left there, and they went, and they traveled to Egypt, and we know that Joseph took care of them. So that's how they end up in Egypt. We know that Joseph died a couple of hundred years, went by, and Exodus chapter 1 tells us all of a sudden the leader came in. He did not remember who Joseph was, and he saw that God's children had multiplied, and so many people that were saying, hey, there's so many of them, they can conquer us, they can destroy us, so we better put these people in great slavery. We better hold these people down under the thumb. So all of a sudden, God saw that, saw that God rose up the leader by the name of Moses and God called Moses out to get the people free. We know that Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. What does Pharaoh say? He says what? No. So the first of the 10 plagues came. So somebody tell me real quick, name the 10 plagues for me. What are the 10 plagues in order? How many of you can name all 10 of them in order? All right, let me get, give me four minutes. And next four minutes, you will learn all 10 plagues in order. Are you ready? You ready to put your thinking caps on? All right, write, the, write these things down. This is good. You will never forget the 10 plagues the rest of your life. We're going to do a word association. How, I, I struggle memorizing names, so one of the ways that I memorize names, I, I put an association with that person. You know, I, I put them some item. So some of y'all, if you only knew the association that I have over your head when I see you, ah, that person's named that because I've given them that association. So, ready? Number one, plague number one. Here's what I want you to picture in your mind. I want you to picture a red pen. A red pen makes it number one. You write with it. It's red. Anybody know what the first plague was? The water turned to what? Blood. So, image number one, I want you to get a red pen in your mind. It makes it number one. It is red, water, blood. Image number two, I want you to picture a coat hanger in your mind. Picture a coat hanger. You remember how a coat hanger kind of makes the number two. So, picture a coat hanger, and on that coat hanger, I want you to picture that there are frogs all over that coat hanger. I want you to picture on that coat hanger that makes it number two. I want you to picture frogs hanging and jumping all over that coat hanger. You got it? Image number one's a red pen. Water turned to what? Blood. Image number two, a coat hanger. And what's hanging all over that coat hanger? Frogs. Image number three is a tricycle. Picture a tricycle, and I want you to picture that there's a, a girl that is riding that tricycle, and that girl is screaming and hollering because her hair is full of lice. So tricycle three, remember a girl sitting on that tricycle, remember her hair is full of lice, and she's screaming and hollering like those little girls can do with that. I mean, that pitch of the voice that just drives you nuts. So image number three, tricycle, we got lice. So image number one's a red pen is what? Blood. Image number two, coat hanger. What's hanging off the coat hanger? Frogs. Image number three is a tricycle. And what's on that girl? Lice. Image number four, I want you to picture a car. 
got four wheels on it. I want you to picture a car, and I want you to picture that that car is being weighted down, and it's got the biggest fly sitting on top of that car you've ever seen. I want you to picture a a fly sitting on top of that car and that fly is squishing down the car because of the weight of that fly is so big. Plague number four was flies and insects. Kind of like Florida, right? So image number one is what? A red pen? Blood. Image number two, coat hanger is what? Frogs. Image number three, tricycle, you got what? Lice. Image number four, we got a a car, and what's sitting on top of the car? Fly. Image number five, I want you to picture a $5 bill. Instead of having the president in the middle, I want you to picture a a cow in the middle with her feet up. Dead. Image number five, $5 bill. Instead of a president, I want you to have a cow and the feet standing up in it. The cow is dead. All the cattle died. Image number five. Image number one, red pen, means what? Blood. Image number two, frogs. Image number three, lice. Image number four, flies. Image number five, dead cattle. Image number six, I want you to picture a monkey. And I want you to picture a monkey's tail that makes the letter six. On the end of those... On the end of the monkey's tail are all these bulls or sores all over this monkey. And the monkey's jumping around. Don't step on my tail. It hurts. I got bulls all over the place. Image number six, you got sores. Are y'all getting this? I better not be just making a fool of myself for no reason at all. I can't wait till my buddies watch me on, online. What are you doing? I said, well, my, our church learned the ten plagues pretty quickly. Number six image, monkey bulls. Number one, red pen stands for what? Number two, coat hanger, we have what? Frogs. Number three, we have a tricycle, we have what? Image number four, we have a car, and what's on the car? Flies. Image number five is $5 bill, but what's in the middle of it? Dead cattle. Image number six, we got a monkey, and on that monkey, he's got what? Swords, bulls all over. Image number seven for my golfers in the room. Image number seven, I want you to picture a putter. And you're putting hailstones. Picture a putter makes a number seven. And what are you picturing? You are hitting hailstones. Because plague number seven was hailstones. Number eight might be my favorite. Number eight might be my favorite image. I want you to picture an eight ball that you would play in pool. And I want you to picture you got the eight ball that you're picturing in the pool. And I want you to picture you're taking that eight ball and you are squishing locusts everywhere. I mean, you can hear it crackling. You know, you're, you're taking that eight ball and you're taking that and you're squishing locusts all over the place. Image number one is a red pen. What is it? Blood. Image number two? Frogs. Image number three? Lice, image number four, flies. Image number five, dead cattle. Image number six, image number seven, hailstones. Image number eight, image number nine. We're almost done. You got it. Image number nine, I want you to picture like a submarine putting up a periscope up, and it looks, makes kind of like the letter nine, and all it sees is darkness. Plague number nine is darkness came across the land. Image number 10. 
I just want you to picture 10 people and the first one falls over dead. So let's review these real quick and you just memorize the 10 plagues and I guarantee you will remember them the rest of your life. Number one, a red pen. Blood. Image number two, coat hanger. What's over the coat hanger? Frog. Image number three, a girl on the, pro- on the tricycle screaming and hollering. What does she have? Flies. Image number four, you got a car, there's four wheels. And what's sitting on top of that car? Flies. Image number five, you got a $5 bill, but what's in the right in the middle of it? Dead cattle. Image number six, we got a monkey, and what does he have all over him? Bulls. He's got swords on him. Image number seven, we are putting, and what are we hitting? Hailstones. Number eight, we got the eight ball, and what are we squishing? Locust. Number nine, we got a periscope, and what does it see? Darkness. Number ten, we have what? The first one. What does that have to do with Matthew chapter 26? It has everything to do with it. Look back at verse 17. I've got just a couple more minutes, and I want you to see this. Now, on the first day, the feast of the unleavened bread, seven days remembering how fast they got out of Egypt, disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to Passover? Passover number 10 celebrating the death angel passed over. Can I tell you, it took faith for them to believe when they put the blood of the lamb over the door that the death angel would pass by. It took faith for them to believe when they heard, hey, what you got to do, kill the lamb and put the blood over the doorpost. It took faith to do that. And can I tell you what? It takes you and I faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. So verse number 18, here we go. And he said to them, go into the city to find a certain man and say to him, right next to that, I want you to write down Mark chapter 14, verse 13. Mark 14, 13 in your text of Scripture. Go into the city and say to a certain man and say to him. Mark 14, 13 really adds to the picture of this in Mark 14, 13. It tells us that this man will be holding a water pitcher. So how, when you go in the city and there's men everywhere, how are you going to know who it is? Because it's a very unusual thing for a man to be carrying water. In that culture in that day, man, men did not carry water. So what does Jesus say in Mark chapter 14, 13? That man will be carrying a pitcher of water. So that's how they found him. Look what it says on in verse 18. The teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Verse 20, when the evening had come, he sat down with the 12. Could you imagine this most intimate moment? I mean, you've just walked with Jesus for three years in this intimate moment. All of a sudden, you are in this upper room, and you are with Jesus, and there's just the 12 of them. And it tells us, it's about to tell us, and as they were eating, something happened. When you look at the Passover supper, the Passover supper involved three different cups. They would drink the first cup, it would be wine diluted water, and the first cup, they would also have bitter herbs, the bitter herbs to remind them of Egypt that they would do. They'd also have cinnamon sticks, and those cinnamon sticks would remind them of the sticks and the bricks that they would have to build in Egypt. So they would drink the first cup, and they would be a part of the bitter herbs and all these sticks that we remind them, and then the second cup, as they're drinking the second cup, then they will partake of the lamb. Notice what the text of Scripture tells us. Where are they in this meal? Verse 21, and now as they were eating, 
He said, surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. Could you imagine everything just stops? Could you imagine you're celebrating the Passover? All this has happened. You're in this upper room. It's a sacred moment. Then all of a sudden, you're in the middle of the Passover meal. And all of a sudden, Jesus just stops everything and says, hey, one of you are going to betray me. Could you imagine what this moment must have been like? Hey, one of you are going to betray me. At that moment... The 11 disciples, the other 11 disciples, all of them, they just don't point to Judas and say, he is. Well, how do they respond? I want you to see this because it's very important because I think we would, exp- we would respond the same way. Look at verse 22. And they were exceedingly sorrowful when you, oh, I love the Greek language in this. Just the sh- just moved with distress. I mean, it's a, it's a heaviness of the moment. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? I think if you were to place any of us in this room, any of us watching, I think if you would have placed us in that upper room and we were there in the middle of the Passover meal and all of a sudden Jesus looked at all of us and said, one of you will betray me. I think we would have answered the same way. Lord, is it I? Because I think we know in the core of our flesh, in the core of of the evil that we're, the core that we know there's nothing good in us except God. When we know the core of who we are, I think all of us, the only thing that we can, Lord, is it I? None of us need to be super spiritual in this room and say, man, I've never had a moment where I didn't want to deny Christ. I never had a moment in a business deal I didn't want to deny Christ. I never had a, a moment with my family. I'd... Most of us at some point in our life have had a moment of saying, am I, am I just a fool believing this? They're all sitting there saying, Lord, is it I? Look at the answer in verse 23. And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as written to him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Here's a reality statement in the middle of all this. It would be better... Not to ever be born or ever be conceived and reject Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Because without Jesus, the Lamb of God, we will be separated from God forever. Look what happens in verse 25. Then Judas, who was betrayed him, answered and said, Rabbi. That's an interesting word, Rabbi. That word Rabbi means master. He did not say Lord. Why, did, why, did, why do you think Judas called him Rabbi? Why do you think Judas called him master and not Lord? Why, why do you all think that's the case in the text of the Scripture? Was Jesus Judas Lord? No. 
Jesus was just a master. Jesus was just a rabbi hand. Jesus was not his Lord. The scripture tells us when you read the gospel of John account on this, it says at this moment as Judas betrayed him, it says that Satan entered into Judas and he left. So picture this in the upper room, here in the middle of the mill. One of you are going to betray me. All of a sudden, it's going to be Judas. All of a sudden, I mean, Satan entered into Judas, and now Judas is out of the room. Then we move to verse 26. The first supper. And as they were eating... Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it. Will you mark those words? I think it's profound. And gave it. Why is those important words? Gave it. God did his part. Jesus is doing his part. He's taking this bread... And he said, hey, I've been broken, and and I gave it. And gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. We know that Jesus is not saying, this is my literal body. But this is a picture, this is symbolic of the body of Christ that was given for us. Jesus gave it. They had to receive it. Look what it says in verse 27. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant which was shed for many. For the remission of sin. John saw, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. Behold the Lamb of God who can take away the sin of the world. Matthew, in his account, is telling us this is the blood of the new covenant which was shed for many for the remission of sin. Here's what's about to happen. We're going to have an invitation, and I'm going to invite you to Jesus. Jesus gave it. They had to receive it. I'm going to invite you to Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus to forgive your sins, you cannot be good enough. You cannot earn it. You cannot be religious enough. You cannot be intellectually try to ascend to a certain level to have salvation. Salvation only comes by trusting Jesus, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. For some of you, you've never trusted Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to have the invitation. The pastor's going to be down front, and I'm going to invite you to Jesus. For you as Christ followers, if you are a Christ follower, here's what I want you to do. I want the invitation to be a time that you are going to prepare your heart to come and hold that cracker in your hand, to put that juice up to your lips. I I want the invitation for us as Christ followers to prepare us to come to remember the body and the blood of Jesus.
What does that look like? For some of you, that might be that you've got to go ask forgiveness for somebody. For some of you, that might be that you just need to turn around and you need to kneel right there at your seat. For some of you, that means that you need to come to this altar and get on your knees before God. Some of you, you you just need to ask God for forgiveness for some things. For some of you, you just need to ask God, God, please prepare me before I partake in this Lord's Supper. The scripture warns us so clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It tells us so clearly. Do not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. That's why you always see as your pastor, I always give the invitation. We always give you a chance to get right with God before you do the before you take the Lord's Supper. I believe it's biblical to do that, to give you a chance. So here's the invitation. Come get saved. For you Christians, prepare your heart. As a matter of fact, Ken, let's just play music and let's don't even sing. We're not going to sing. Let's just play music. Here's a real, I want you to prepare your heart. Lord God, thank you that you are the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Thank you, Lord, for this sacred table. Lord, today we can come and remember the body, Lord, that you are broken for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can remember that your blood was poured out for us. Lord, I pray is we as Christians in this ring God will prepare our heart. I pray for the person who's never trusted Jesus. I pray that they'll trust Jesus today. In Christ's name, amen. Here's the invitation. We're not going to sing. The music's just going to play. Pastors are going to be down front. If you've never trusted Jesus, just say, hey, I need to know more about this Jesus. For you as Christ followers, I want you to take this time to come to the altar, pray, kneel on your seat. You might need to go forgive somebody. Whatever. Take a couple minutes and just sink back in with the Lord. Line up back with His heart. Let's stand to our feet right now. As Let's stand across this room. The pastors are down front. Altar's open. Come to Christ. Prepare your heart this day. Christ, why don't you come to? There's not a greater time to be saved than now.